This episode is brought to you by our amazing backers over at patreon.com forward slash RARelived. Backers get access to exclusive content, including bonus podcasts and video watch-along episodes. You can support the show from as little as £1. Go check it out now and see if you fancy giving it a go at patreon.com forward slash RARelived. From 2002 to 2008, World Wrestling Entertainment produced the Ruthless Aggression Era. Ruthless Aggression! As a power vacuum formed in the wake of wrestling's biggest boom period, WWE producers and superstars alike worked to reinvigorate their company and recapture success and acclaim. In the process, a string of future Hall of Fame level talent rose to the top and enjoyed crossover appeal in the public consciousness. We're going to take a trip back in time and travel through this amazing period in WWE history. The matches, the storylines, the home media and more. Every triumph and every heartbreak. Whether you were watching as it all unfolded, or you're here to learn about this era for the first time, this series will have something for you. This is Ruthless Aggression Relived. Ruthless Aggression! Since our last episode. On heat, apathetic and angry, Raven walked out of his commentary role, leaving Jonathan Coachman to call the show by himself. The following week, Jacqueline joined Coach at the commentary table as his new broadcast colleague. On Raw, Benoit was back. Showing up on Raw despite being drafted to SmackDown, Chris Benoit soaked up the adoration of the Edmonton crowd. Benoit told the fans he wasn't far from recovery and a return to the ring. Eddie Guerrero arrived to interrupt his best friend and told him he'd missed Benoit's jealousy, claiming Benoit was jealous of Eddie's charisma. Ric Flair told Benoit that unless he had a ticket, he was to leave, with the rabid Wolverine being escorted off the premises. Tommy Dreamer was at it again. He dropped a hot dog, stood on it, then ate it. The Undertaker saw this and came out to put a stop to it. Undertaker forced Dreamer to drink a cup full of Taker's tobacco spit. Dreamer quite liked it. Undy's stomach turned at this sight and he beat the hell out of Dreamer before neck pilmanizing him against the ring post. This accidentally turned Undertaker babyface. The NWO were given an ultimatum by Kevin Nash, win their matches or get kicked out, and receive an ass kicking from him. Lucky for Booker T, X-Pac and Big Show, they all proved victorious. Goldust once again tried to join the NWO, showing up in an NWO shirt and black and white face paint. Booker saw the funny side, but X-Pac did not, stooging Goldie off to Nash. After Goldust won his own match later in the evening, Nash didn't seem to mind. At The World, the finalists of Tough Enough 2 did an arm wrestle. Later in the week, Linda Miles and Jackie Gator would go on to win the WWE contracts. Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't turn up for the start of the show, with JR informing fans and Flair alike that there'd been a family emergency. Raven suspected the emergency was a crisis of confidence. Art imitates life, etc. RVD and Eddie Guerrero fought one another in an incredible ladder match. 
and look who's bought a ticket, for the front row no less. Yes, Benoit bought his way back into the building. In a moment not in the script, a fan leapt a barricade and shoved Eddie off the ladder. Security and referee Earl Hebner saved that fan's life, as if they hadn't gotten to him before Eddie, Eddie would have absolutely given him more than the one punch to the head he got. Ultimately, after a sensational bout, RVD was able to unhook the Intercontinental Championship to become the champion once more. Eddie assaulted RVD after the match, only to be chased down by Stone Cold, who unleashed all his fury on Latino Heat, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, just for Benoit to come to Eddie's rescue, revealing the whole thing had been a ploy. On SmackDown, Rikishi and Rico accidentally retained their tag team championships against Billy and Chuck, when Rikishi super kicked Rico onto the downed Chuck, with the stylist unintentionally picking up the three count. Jealous of Maven getting a good luck kiss from Tori, Tajiri cost Maven a match against Christian. Mr. McMahon met his new legal assistant, Dawn Marie Rinaldi, who snuck in to see Vince while Stacy was occupied at the world filming the finale of Tough Enough. Dawn Murray had clearly seen Stacy's scheme had been working, and decided she could improve upon the formula. Hulk Hogan made perfectly clear he wanted to get his hands on Vince McMahon in the ring. In response, Vince confronted Hogan, only for the real American to be attacked from behind by Kurt Angle with a pipe. The Undertaker voluntarily defended his WWE Championship against Grandy Orton, and spoke highly of the great wrestling tradition of Calgary before the match. That definitely made him a babyface with the Calgary crowd. Orton, for his money, put in an impressive showing against the champion. Undertaker's nice guy act, however, turned out to be just that, as he relished the opportunity to hurt the rookie. Undertaker would win the match, but Orton put in a hell of a showing. Undertaker would attempt to neck pilmanize Orton, but fortunately Triple H came to the rescue of the rookie. Keen to pick up where they left off before Backlash, Triple H challenged Undertaker to a WWE Championship match. The Hurricane's mystery messenger distracted him during his match with a message on the Titantron promising they'd reveal themselves to the superhero next week, before half a photo appeared on the Titantron showing Hurricane and what appeared to be a woman's hands, the owner of the hands obscured by the missing half of the photo. Triple H fought Test. Lance Storm and The Undertaker ran in to distract the game, allowing Test to hit the big boot to defeat Triple H. Ha ha ha, Test rules. After the match, Undy attacked and chokeslammed Triple H before cracking him with a chair, seemingly answering the game's challenge. Taz claimed Undertaker had cancelled the game, and Triple H didn't even have to post inappropriate remarks on social media. Kurt Angle and Edge had a superb cage match, with Kurt escaping the cage to victory, except the referee had been knocked down, allowing Hogan to make his way to the ring, return the assault to Angle, and throw him back into the ring via the door before the referee recovered. Angle almost escaped the game, but was undone by his headset and wig as they gave Edge something to drag Kurt back inside the cage with. A spear from the top rope sealed the deal and gave Edge the win, before Hogan entered the cage to get revenge on Angle, though Kurt managed to flee before Hogan could remove the headset. On Velocity, we saw exclusive footage showing after SmackDown's main event. Edge and Hogan celebrated in the ring, with Hogan leading Edge in a pose like the Hulkster. On Confidential, the WWE somehow managed to pull a triple whammy of poor taste, casting aspersions on the personal life of the late British Bulldog, interviewing Davy's widow Diana within a fortnight of his death, and enticing viewers with footage of an interview with Davy Boy recorded just after the death of Owen Hart. Stay classy, Vince. Sean Stasiak continued to act like a cunt. 
Hello and welcome back to Ruthless Aggression Relived. I'm your host, LT Fletcher, and joining me today on this jaunt down memory lane as we as we go a little bit raw, it's none other than uh, Nerd Trash Jen herself. It's Jenny, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm absolutely bloody marvellous. I'm ready to uh, <laughs> ready to dive in. This is, this is a more interesting episode than I gave it credit for when I added it to the list. I knew we had a big, important uh, return on here, but I didn't know we'd have so much absolute bloody nonsense from top to bottom. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, ooh, it's something special, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> we are today watching uh, Monday Night Raw from... Uh, he says, not having got the sheet up properly. Uh, the 3rd of June, 2002. That's um, the one. Which is, of course, available on WWE Network. It's on Peacock as well. I couldn't tell you what season it is, because Peacock is a very strangely laid out service. But uh, you can find <laughs> it with the date, I'm sure. Um, but before we hop into the episode, mm-hmm. uh, usually when I have a new voice on the podcast, I oh. like to... Uh, let our listeners get to know him a little bit better. So, um, what's your sort of, uh, I guess, what's your wrestling origin story? I guess we should probably call this segment. You know, what? How did you get into it? What's your relationship with the business? Do you have any memories of like, any particular periods? <laughs> so, funny story. Um, mm. I remember the Attitude Era. I didn't watch wrestling because I didn't have any way of watching it on TV. Really, and I hadn't. I had no friends, so I couldn't share any share any tapes. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> I was vaguely aware of Stone Cold. I knew mm. about The Rock, and I knew about Mankind, and those were the only three I knew. That was the only and three I you didn't... needed to know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I got the best ones, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I didn't watch it at the time. However, I was with my now partner, and um, he was listening to a wrestling podcast, and they were talking about the Texas Throwdown match at Smoky Mountain Wrestling between Cactus Jack and Sandman. And he's like, oh, wait a second, I've got that on the Mick Foley Hits and Misses DVD. So he puts it on, and Mick Foley starts introducing the match, and he says about how he worked he whacks um, Sandman in the head and he wants him to stay down, but he won't. And he's, oh, oh gosh. But he's McFoley, so it's very charming. And I'm like, I love this guy. <laughs> he and is pretty wonderful. Yeah, I was like, what a, what a great introduction. So that was my first match. And um, somehow I just really liked wrestling from then. Um, my, I have, I've kind of like fallen away from it at the moment just because there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff I don't particularly like in the modern product, mm. but I do follow it in that kind of way of like, you know, that meme of that cat dressed as a farmer that's like, what are they doing over there? Yes. That's very much my relationship with wrestling at the moment. I don't watch it, but I know who's out on injury. Sort of, <laughs> sort of on the periphery of fandom, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, that, that's pretty relatable. I, do you know, honestly, that seems to be a bit of a common thread with uh, fans of our generation shall we say without wanting to age ourselves too badly um i think things are turning up a little bit lately but you know we'll we'll see we'll see there's there's a long long way to go before we're in the heady highlights of the attitude here i think oh yes (laughs) i mean there's there's some really good talent at the moment like every time i see everything i see of um i always it's a it's pronounced gunter or gunther 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 um (laughs) I was following, like, I, I saw his bit, his work, like, when he was Walter. He's and, incredible. Oh, his presentation, everything. I was just like, oh, Jesus, what a man. Um, <laughs> just an absolute fridge of a man. Yeah. And, uh, he's there great. are, 
there are some spectacles coming back into wrestling and yes. uh, it's 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 coming around it's coming around it's not quite at that heat of that it was in the height no. of like the attitude era and it may never be again in fairness yeah but it, it there's some really good stuff happening at the moment yeah and i do like that there's a lot of choice about like um yes. promotions and stuff like that there's a lot absolutely. of options absolutely i think at the minute like with wwe i don't think the talent is the issue i don't think the talent's been the issue at all ever mm-hmm. you know through all the whole downturn that we've definitely had over the last yeah. however many years it's not been a problem of the in ring work or the performers or anything but mm. The uh, creative force behind the curtain, shall we say? So, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, hopefully knows. that will change as well. Um, well, we're but... we're about one week removed from the return of Spooky Man, so who knows? Who's to say? Oh yes, oh yes. Um, funny enough, actually, um, I was talking to my other half about um this episode of Raw because I I can't figure out like okay, so Wrestle WrestleMania seventeen was the end of the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. so what happened next? It was the ruthless aggression, obviously. Um. Yes. But he was saying, like, this is a downturn. And looking at some of the talent on the card tonight is, you know, pretty damn good. Like, people who are considered, you know, the greats, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. it's amazing. Like, 2002 is definitely a year that they were struggling with. I mm-hmm. think 03, creatively, everything really clicks into place, at least on SmackDown. Raw is still a bit, a little bit uh, imperfect, shall we say. But yeah. I, I think, it, it, like, really, to me, the, the whole... Uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess sort of the the meat of the Ruthless Aggression era to me is sort of the, this handful of really ridiculously good talent rising to the top. And as you say, you know, mm-hmm. we are looking at a period where there's a lot of all-time greats on the roster. Yeah. But they're in a real scramble at the minute, as, uh, as indeed <laughs> we will definitely get into during the course of this episode, because there oh, are some questionable fucking moments, <laughs> i got to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, like, it wasn't as bad as what I was expecting, because um, recently I, I went to go see my mother, and mm. um, she likes true crime programs, and ah. I decided to watch um, Dark Side of the Ring while she was out. She came back in, and she was like, oh, what's this? So we watched, like, all of the episodes. Mm. And um, so I've I've very much, I've just marathoned, like, the worst bits the of wrestling history. Worst of the <laughs> just the worst of it. So there's a few people on the show that I'm, I'm saying, like, oh, Including Christ. a number of tonight's performers. <laughs> yeah! I'm like, oh, no. But, you know, it's, yeah. Ooh, choices. <laughs> So I've got I've got two of them named in the first sentence of my notes, which should give you an indication of what we're up against here. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, maybe we haven't written notes about the same guy because, like, there was someone as soon as I saw them in the description, I was like, oh no! Mm. <laughs> right then, shall we jump into the action? <laughs> yes, let's. Alrighty, first off, then we get uh, a little cold open before the title sequence. We've got <laughs> Ric Flair. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Arn Anderson all conspiring in Flair's office, and <laughs> and a clown car's worth of security guards walking in from off camera. The best Where were they this? stood? <laughs> they were just off screen, just in the corner. It's like fifteen guys. But also because of the mixture of the blue shirts and the white shirts, some of them just look like milkmen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, the most unthreatening security guards. <laughs> I know. I was just like, wow, okay. But also, so I'm not familiar with Arn Anderson. Mm. Um, I know he's had a bit of a resurgence recently, and there's yes. this whole thing about he carries a gun. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he pulls out the Glock. 
he pulls out a clock. That's all I know about him. But him as the enforcer, when he looks like a teacher, he looks like <laughs> the least threatening guy. <laughs> he does look like he's about to teach me about the uh, GDP of Guatemala. He <laughs> does. Oh gosh, he just. The other thing I was thinking of was um, there's a YouTuber called LGR who. Oh is, no! Yeah, you're right. Like, he looks like an evil LGR. <laughs> so <laughs> when he's like the enforcer, I'm like, really? <laughs> the, the, that guy? <laughs> but oh. yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it, it was a, yeah, I wouldn't think he was the enforcer. Especially considering Benoit's neck is bigger than his head. You know? Yes. He's very intense, a very intimidating guy. I would have thought maybe, you know, but then again, he's smacked down, so we can't really interact with anyone i guess yeah the the weird little um Brand the loop the, the loophole of the brand split here is that flair's <laughs> able to get benoit to come in and interfere but he can't book him in a match but benoit's injured anyway so he wouldn't be able to book him in a match anyway he's, yeah. he's not quite cleared for uh, return to the ring yeah so we head out to ringside after the titles where jim ross and jerry the king lawler lawler can't get the word out open the show at the american airlines center in dallas texas there's wide wide signs in the crowd we've got a a big old woo over like 12 signs so funny thing about that i didn't notice until like the main event obviously we'll get to that but that woo sign is actually in Ric Flair's um, Titan Drum video. Oh, there you go. Which makes me think they're either planted there or they're those fans that come in like every week and try and get onto the show. There was definitely <laughs> for sure one of those guys in the front row. One yeah. million percent. He had like 50 signs. Yeah, he had, um, I think I know the one you were talking about. He was like, I'm only here to see Charlie Robinson. And then he had another one that was like, I'm only here to see Ric Flair. And yeah. it's like, fair weather fan, you said you were only here for Charles. <laughs> I there's, saw you. <laughs> there's one sign as well. I can't remember what it was, but it was like some ridiculously lengthy message, like "I'm an ugly moron with a stupid face, and I like to sniff my own butt." Like a ridiculously <laughs> stupid fucking long. How message. did I miss that one? There were so many good signs because there was one that was like "Rednecks like it raw." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh a what a time, time to be alive! Yeah, nothing about JRPGs, unfortunately. But no. you know, we'll take <laughs> well, it when we can get that's, it. <laughs> that, that's a modern trend, of course. <laughs> So, uh, we learn that Kevin Nash has an important announcement to make tonight as Flair, Benoit, and Eddie hit the ring with the procession of guards slash milkmen behind them. Uh, Benoit explains his actions the previous week. He says the only reason he's out of action is because of Stone Cold injuring him at the previous year's King of the Ring in their triple threat match for the WWF, as it was, championship. Uh, It is worth pointing out Benoit injured himself in that match. What did he do? He, I believe he took like a, it was a back bump of some variety, like a, a suplex bump Ooh. or something, landed on his neck. Oh dear. But yeah, I, I assume, I mean, it's it, obviously, you know, it's all kayfabe anyway, it's just yeah. Austin takes the blame because he's the babyface in the storyline, I guess. <laughs> uh, Eddie, meanwhile, says that uh, after losing the Intercontinental Championship, he thought he was losing his Latinoism. But assaulting Austin helped rekindle his Latino heat. Heat. And then Flair, like a big fucking mark, just says to him, you are so cool. (laughs) I mean, I can't blame him, honestly. That's the first time I've seen Eddie. And yeah, I I think he's damn cool as well. Eddie is fucking wonderful. I love that man. 
But also, um, something about like the way he says Latino heat when he says Latino heat, heat, heat <laughs> it. It's it's ahead of its time because you remember the kids were doing the whole thing where they go sheesh. It was yes. very much like that. <laughs> Honestly, he called it ahead of his time. <laughs> a, a true revolutionary in the business for th- this and so many other reasons. <laughs> but I think also, primarily for this one. Um, for what do you call it? Something about the promos and everything. Um, when like I've never known. Like I've never seen Benoit basically. Mm. Um, I think I I think I've seen him in one match in WrestleMania um, seventeen, right. and he didn't he didn't have a promo, he just wrestled. Yes, and he has like this very dramatic style with loads of pauses for effect, but the crowd are really onto that what chant. So mm. every time there's a slight beat, it's like, what? It was just constant. It's it's throughout the whole show. But like yeah. when he was, I was trying to listen to what he was doing, and every second it was just what, and it's like stop. I mean, we we are still getting that to this day, but it's that oh. is like within six to twelve months of Austin starting it. So it's oh god, <laughs> it's the the hot new toy for the Austin fans in the crowd. Um, <laughs> speaking of Austin, Flair tells Austin that if he's got a problem with being benched, he can speak to Double A. Uh, and unfortunately, Austin appears on the Titantron and reveals he has already beaten the piss out of Arn. <laughs> Uh, he tells Flair to give him Benoit Guerrero. He doesn't care which, or he'll do to Flair what he did to Arn. Uh, I thought Austin looked great here. He was like absolutely, oh, yeah. he was absolutely looking his angry best, like oh, '98 yeah. Austin, peak Austin. Uh, Flair tells Austin he can't do that as Eddie already has a match tonight, and Benoit is injured and property of SmackDown. Mm. Uh, undeterred, then Austin challenges Flair to a match and suggests that his bench status should come down to who wins the match. Flair takes the bait, and the match is on for the main event, and he says if he wins, Austin will be benched forever. Then things get a little bit strange. (laughs) Um, Austin asks what a nature boy is, Mm -hmm. and putting the boots to on, he says that nature is calling right now, and we hastily fade to black and fade up on the opening match, and nothing else happened. Wait a motherfucking second. So, funny enough, when this happened, I was like, oh, Christ, because I didn't realise this was after the Attitude Era. I thought mm. this was still kind of in that era. So mm. I was like, oh, is this what everyone's, like, nostalgic for? Piss jokes, really? And then, well. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> this, I, I is, was... um, this is the edited version. Um, really? On the original broadcast, Austin urinated on Arn Anderson. No. And then quipped that it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. I mean, um, that is that is not on the WWE network. Presumably on the grounds of taste, because that's oh, pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering what that fade to black was about. I thought it mm. might have actually just straight up very you. abrupt. Oh yeah, um, but also like it, he he literally he finishes the promo and he's like, oh, I've got a question about the nature boy. Do you like nature? Do you like boys? And then he pees on a man. And, like that's not, you know. <laughs> Bit weird. Bit weird. Bit, bit weird. Yeah. But hey, was... listen, listen, it's 2022, I ain't kink shaming. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Austin can, <laughs> Austin can, Austin can pee on who he likes. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's the 21st not, not, who, not on who he likes, they have, they have to consent to it, obviously. Exactly. Safe, sane and consensual. <laughs> so what did, uh, what do you think to this opening segment overall then? 
Um, so overall, I was, yeah, I, I mean, I liked, I liked Austin when he, yes. when he did the little puppet show and everything. I really hoped <laughs> when he was like, what, you know, like puppet shows, I thought he was going to be like, do you like Fraggle Rock? Do you like Muppets? Do you like <laughs> what? Dingray? What? what? reeling them off. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the audience constantly going, what, after every question, it would have been beautiful. Big but... Bird, what? <laughs> the Count, What? what? <laughs> Oh gosh, but I did. I, I did actually like it. I didn't like the whole thing of um. Okay, so with the whole bench sen- stasis, right? I yes. thought it was clever that Ric Flair, as a heel like boss man, co-owner of WWE, okay, yes. um, that's a choice. <laughs> but um, with that kind of like with that booking power to say, oh, the hometown hero, that baby face you really want, he's on the bench. He's not wrestling. You can't have him. I think that was great. Like, that was a great yes. way of getting heat. But then yes. he takes the bait, and then it's like this weird, and it's like, as soon as the stipulation was counted, and this was before all the other stipulations, but mm. when that first stipulation of like, oh, well, if it, if I lose, I'm benched forever. <laughs> it's like, well, you've given away the ending of the match, then have you? Yeah, it's like, what's the stakes? You're going to be benched forever. This isn't like a career ending match come on this is like monday night raw of course you're not gonna bloody lose it's either gonna be you win or you get disqualified exactly but but then there was the stipulation about being disqualified so i guess if flair got disqualified anyway like as soon as that was it was like all the heat from the matchup was gone and it was really annoying because commentary keep putting over the match and they keep saying like oh has austin read the contract it's like it doesn't matter he's not gonna bloody lose (laughs) it does sort of uh, spoil the immersion a little bit Exactly. Thankfully, the rest of the card is actually really good. There are some fantastic matches on here. So even though the main event, I wasn't excited the entire time. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not looking forward to this. Also, mm. I don't think I've actually seen Ric Flair wrestle. Um, I haven't, I don't think I've seen any Ric Flair. And he's, I, I'd say he's probably past, uh, he's past his prime here. Yeah. But for the next couple of years, he's still sort of, with the right opponent, he can be you can have a yeah. match. Yeah, I mean, there was some really good stuff in the main event, but like the whole stakes, it was like, of course he's gonna, of course he's gonna. Absolutely. Win. So speaking of uh, important matches that really have uh, high stakes. Oh yes. Our opening contest of the evening is for the <laughs> Hardcore Championship, pitting Bradshaw against champion Stephen Richards, and Jacqueline is the special <laughs> guest referee for some reason, I guess. I mean, I really enjoyed Jacqueline in this. Um, there was a bit at the end where the champion, who I won't ruin this, I won't spoil <laughs> this, <laughs> but she, like, he, he thinks that she's going to go for him, and, like, she's like, no, 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 I'm not, and she does, like, yeah. a little hand signal. But I got so excited because I thought that she might actually go for him, and I was like, oh, that's the best. I would have loved like, that. Um, oh, it would have been so good because, like, yeah, she looks amazing. She looks like she could, you know, rough it with the rest of them. She looks well, like she could snap Steve Richards and... Steve Richards? Stephen yeah. Richards, sorry. <laughs> she, she looked... I, to be fair, she probably could. She, yeah. uh, J- Jacqueline Moore was like renowned as being a badass. Like She she was one of the, the women who I think probably hung around with some of the, the men more often mm. than the females. If you go by like some of the stories you hear, like the APA speak very highly of her being oh, yeah. an actual badass. So yeah. <laughs> the scenes where she's hanging out with them in like backstage segments, probably like true to life, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as you might expect in this one then, Bradshaw opens things up by smacking Stevie around a bunch. Mm. He takes him down with a big boot. And then, because Texas, he's got a big ball rope, uh, clatters Stevie with the cowbell, uh, (laughs) gives him a pump handle slam and ties his legs together. 
which allows him to get out of the ring and acquire more ropes. (laughs) This is suddenly getting a little bit on the kinky side. Uh, He also brings in a saddle and some horns, which would look nice on the front of a limo, perhaps. Just putting that one to one side for future storyline purposes there, Bradshaw. Uh, By that point, though, Stevie's gotten free. And when Bradshaw gets in the ring, he hits him in the head with a bin lid approximately 72 million and eight times, give or take. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the, the so the props that he got out, like, he didn't use any of it. He didn't use the saddle. Mm. saddle. He doesn't doesn't use the lasso again. Um, but the pop for getting the saddle, like, I can completely understand <laughs> that because that was impressive. The size of it and the head. It was a big it, old prop, yeah. Oh, yeah. But also the headshots that he takes from Richards. Like, the first one is a bit of an ooh. Second one, a quieter ooh. Third one, no reaction. No. For <laughs> a headshot. just killing the bin lid shot. And it's absolutely. just like, oh, gosh i was just like why would you do that you don't i think with modern you know like a modern view on it it's just like please stop taking headshots it's not nice it just doesn't it's it's always very awkward the one thing that i do feel a little bit uh, i don't i guess maybe softens the blow is mm. obviously like the, the bin the bins and the bin lids are like oh really yeah obviously super mega fake oh god yeah um, you could see like not so much the steel chairs when we get those, of course, but Oof. uh yeah. the, the bins are like but all the same, like you are right, watching it knowing now what we mm. didn't then. Not so keen on the headshots generally, yeah. and sort of even just like what they represent. Keep those in the video games, but not in yeah. real life. Thank you very much. Exactly. So Stevie hits the ropes, uh, but he gets caught with a fallaway slam, and then little Spike Dudley slides into the ring with a ref, tries to pin Stevie, Bradshaw is having none of that bullshit. Uh he Kicks Spike off the top turnbuckle to the outside. <laughs> uh, Stevie recovers, but he eats a clothesline from hell, uh, which allows Bradshaw to pick up the win at 2 minutes and 44, if you can believe it. Wow. Uh, just incredible attempts to get in on the action. Bradshaw gives him a big boot, uh, followed by putting him in a bin, which is the best spot in all of wrestling, of course. Uh, Bradshaw takes his leave, uh, kicks another bin into Crash Holly's face as he goes, and then throws the bin at him. Uh, Jackie does try to take the belt, uh, sort of come close. Well, she, Bradshaw thinks she's going to try and take the belt off him, but she uh, protests and puts a, the Texas Longhorn sign to show that oh, she's yes. on his side. Um, interesting little bit of note here. The hardcore belt is absolutely, completely and totally fucked at this point. It is literally falling apart, and the side plates have already fallen off. Oh, I was wondering that, because wasn't wasn't the hardcore belt like another belt that was like all smashed up by one of the champions or something? Yes, the 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 kayfabe sort of um, story is that it's the belt that belongs to Hogan that Mister Perfect smashed, oh. um, but it was quite literally broken at this point. <laughs> um, th- this belt is actually on the verge of getting literally bend at this point they are gonna mm. like Bradshaw's gonna have like a custom belt going forward it's it's oh, all nice. you know a, a little cheap bit of fun obviously mm. but uh, the the hardcore belt itself uh, the famous one is on the way out this might actually be the last time we see it I'm not sure oh so what do you think of the match I really so, liked such it. as it was <laughs> <laughs> I know I know it was only short but like mm. honestly I really liked the bin spots like the one that he does on um just incredible where yes. he like he puts the bin on him and he's got his little legs and it looks like a cartoon character and he punches it <laughs> it's a really good effect but obviously like it's it's a lot safer than a bit lid to the head or a chair yes. 
Um, but also when Crash comes out and he just isn't having it and he just boots him. I'm I'm a sucker for <laughs> so good. It's so good. I'm so I'm so good. I'm like such a mark for like big guys who are just done and are just like nope, not happening. <laughs> it's it's nice like not overly done because then you end up with this kind of like yeah, it's just not fun anymore. But when they do actually, you know. When it does, when it's done well, it's nice. Um, but and Crash also, getting dunked on is always funny. Oh yeah, but also like when he throws the bin because they they look like they're made out of tin foil. It yeah. like it just crumples and it's just a great visual. And it's like uh, a, it's like a turkey tray that you you know you put your, yeah. your bako foil turkey tray in the oven to roast it for your Christmas dinner. That's what they make the bins out of. It seems like <laughs> exactly. But also, I liked the little um, stack that he did when he was going up the stairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just like, hey, stay humble. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would say that. <laughs> Backstage then, the NWO bicker until Kevin Nash tells them to shut the hell up, which is fair fox. <laughs> he tells them to focus on their King of the Ring qualifying matches, and then Goldust pops up, dressed as a very unconvincing Jonathan Coachman for some reason, <laughs> um, and asks if it's true that Nash's planned announcement is that he'll be inviting Goldust to join the NWO. Uh, Booker T seems to be the only one amused by Goldust and suggests that Goldust be allowed to join if he defeats X-Pac in their King of the Ring qualifier and X-Pac be booted out to make room. Uh, Nash seems to like the idea, but he does seem to be busting X-Pac's balls a little bit as uh, Waltman's there like, oh, guys, no, don't pick on me. (laughs) Bless him. Oh, gosh. What what was that costume all about? I, I mean, it, it did look really weird. It was like office casual gold dust. <laughs> Very with, a, with, a, with a fake beard. With a fake beard. With a, just a little fake beard. I didn't even connect. That's why he was wearing the fake beard, because he wears it into the ring. I was just like, yes. did you have a goatee? But <laughs> so pulls it was so weird. But also, when when Gold Dust comes in, it's like, oh, you know, I could join the NWO. <laughs> and, like, and then... X-Pac and Big Show start laughing and it's like, you guys need to humble yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, as well, like, I obviously, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, but I thought, like, I don't know if you remember, there was, like, a house show or something where Kurt Angle joined The Shield in, like, the kind of modern era and there's this yeah. image... There's this image of Seth Rollins and um, John Mock... Um, Sorry, Dean Ambrose at that point. Dean Ambrose, as he was, yeah. As he was. And Kurt Angle just looking like, you know, he's having the best time. And I thought it would be... Yeah. <laughs> it might be... Just thrilled to be alive. Exactly, exactly. Just having the best time. And I thought that would be quite fun if it was like gold dust. But they're like, it's just like, those guys need to like humble themselves. Come on, big show. What are you bringing, honestly? <laughs> well, he is, he is large. That's what you've got to remember about big show. Yeah, so is Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah, but Big Show, he's like he's like really, really large, you know. I didn't think. And also, that. <laughs> also, Kevin Nash is blonde, and Big Show has black hair, so that's the crucial uh, difference. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of the NWO and Goldust, uh, our next match of the evening is a King of the Ring qualifying match hey. uh, between X Pac and Goldust, and we get very, very, very loud X Pac sucks chance to open the match. Oh yes. <laughs> Goldie tries to give X-Pac the old too sweet hand gesture and gets denied. <laughs> uh, 
fun little back and forth between the two of them. Just two really good workers. Just it, it's not a long match, but they make the most of it. I feel. Yeah. Um, we get a butt bop from Goldust, uh, <laughs> or as Naomi calls it, she calls it the rear view. Uh, <laughs> that gets Goldust a two. Uh, a spin kick from X Pac garners the same. Uh, then we get a really silly moment where Xbox gets Goldust down in the corner, goes for the Bronco Buster, and Goldust slides out of the way, and Xbox lands balls first on the turnbuckle pad. <laughs> uh, Goldie knocks Xbox to the floor and gives him a Bronco Buster of his own. Goldie tries this again, but Xbox gets his leg up. Goldust runs ball sack first into Wal- uh, Waltman's foot, and one X Factor later sees Xbox pick up the win at 327. Another yeah. really short one. It was a very short one. I did like um, Gold Duster in the Bronco Buster because the way when he like when he gets like, I, I mean when he gets crotch in face basically, and he's <laughs> yeah. like he's like wiggling around and stuff, which I feel like was kind of in character for you know what he was like. Um, he's having a very good time doing it. Yeah, exactly. He's it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. But also something I was very confused about: X Pack has Kane's mask, and come ah, yes. mention it. But I don't the, know why. Uh, the NWO beat up Kane uh, about a, maybe about a month or so ago. Um, he needed uh, shoulder surgery in real life, I believe, so they wrote him off TV by having the NWO uh, kick the crap out of him. And Xbox stole his mask, and he's been wearing it since and looking like a bit of a prick in the process. Yeah, I was about to say, because I was, I was looking at it, I was like, there is no way X-Pac beat Kane. Like, come off it. Not by himself. <laughs> exactly. No I just imagine, like, everyone else ganging up on him, and he's like, ha oh, I got your mask. That's pretty much it. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's kind of the annoying little shithead little brother of the group, in a way. Um, but obviously the, the thing with him is, like, he is, his character is a dickhead, but he's a damn good worker. Yeah. But the fans love to hate him, though. He's such a skeevy little snot. Yeah, this is my first exposure to X-Pac Heat. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. 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 I, I I wasn't I was like surely that's like the internet fans looking back in hindsight and being like oh actually he sucked all along and no they just hated him at the time as well like that's yeah. that's some heat but also he can work so that's really good yeah I, I I've got a I got a lot of time for him to be honest he's yeah. he's a, a very humble guy on Twitter these days you know not to not to bring social media into it like you know like that's <laughs> going to sort of uh, reflect on the quality of the product or anything, but he seems like a really lovely guy and probably one of the, the least insane members of the clique, so he's got that going for him. <laughs> we get a little recap of Eddie and RVD's ridiculously good ladder match from the week prior, which I wholeheartedly recommend uh, our listeners go check out, because it was fucking good. Oh, mate. Might, you know- might actually be one of the best matches they had in this series, if not the best. Do you know what? I was... Uh, because I'm... I'm looking on the network and stuff like that. I was mm. tempted to go back and watch that one, but I was like, I don't want to screw up the viewing order for you know. <laughs> but that match looks amazing. Like some it of the spots, really just, good. I'm gonna have to watch it. I think that was during the course of this timeline since Guerrero returned. That's the fourth match they've had, at least you know, at least televised ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it might very well be the best one of the four so well worth a watch do check that out guys yeah backstage then jonathan coachman the real one is with rob van Dam, <laughs> the real one coach congratulates rvd on his title victory and uh, the belt has still not been repressed and has the wwf logo on it yeah my other half noticed R- that <laughs> <laughs> i did rvd uh, promises it'll be the summer of rvd 
And then Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar show up. Paul applauds RVD's victory, and RVD asks if Heyman has lost weight, which uh, gets Brock's dander up. But Paul tells Brock that it's okay, because he and RVD go way back and makes it clear he's doing better with Brock anyway, like a jilted ex. (laughs) He tells Rob that he'll find out what it's like to come face-to-face with the next big thing, and RVD boldly says he's looking forward to it. (laughs) I I liked this. I liked this. I liked... I liked that Heyman mentioned that he, you know, that he made RVD in ECW. Sure, absolutely. I like the sense of continuity. It's not just kind of like, we've got ECW, like, that's been brought in, and, you know, never mention it again, you know. And um, I, I was surprised as well, like, even back then, okay, like, Brock and Paul Heyman are like, you know, the, the dream team, basically. Yeah. But I'm surprised even going way back to this point, like, Brock must be kind of fairly recent, um, like recently coming in, and yeah, he's, he's only been uh, only been on the roster about a month and a half at this stage. Jesus, and like even then, he's still silent with a mouthpiece. Have mm. they ever tried to make him talk? He's said a couple of words here and there. Um, it's I think with Brock, it's not that he can't talk; it's that mm. he does have a very soft-spoken voice, and it kind of shatters Aww. the illusion a little bit. So I think the since Heyman plays an unlikable dickhead so yeah. well, it's oh, he's much brilliant. better for Brock's heat, really. Oh gosh, Heyman's yeah. fucking brilliant, and like, you you can always tell when Heyman's working with someone that he likes because he always puts a little bit of extra salt and pepper on it when he's working with RVD or Bubba Ray Dudley, people oh, yes. he really likes. Oh, it's it's nice. It's it's really good. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Elsewhere, Matt Hardy does a drink. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jeff Hardy plays guitar. Matt asks what Jeff is doing. Uh, Jeff entertains that answer as if it isn't completely fucking obvious. (laughs) Jeff asks if he thought there'd be more than this to life and laments that Team Extreme aren't living for the moment. They're nothing more than a bunch of hypocrites. Matt doesn't understand where Jeff is going with this, so Jeff hands him the guitar and says he'll show him what he means, cryptically setting things up for later in the show. (laughs) I I didn't like this segment. I thought it was I weird. thought it was really weird. Yeah, and also I don't know if it's just you know, it seemed kind of stilted, which is weird considering they're brothers. They could literally just be like, "Hey man, what's what's happening? What's what's the what's the skinny?" And like it would yeah. be fine. But like being like, "Oh hello Jeff, I have not seen you all day. Where have you been?" <laughs> hello brother Matt Hardy from <laughs> World Wrestling Entertainment Rule. <laughs> It's I am just... playing the guitar, allegedly. <laughs> I know it was just very strange, and like I, I don't think it need. I mean, whatever. It adds time, but like it was just a bit weird. I think what made this weird is how long it took to resolve it. Yeah, this, do- <laughs> this doesn't get picked up on until way later in the show. So I just, I just kind of envision. Uh, Matt wandering around backstage like hmm, I wonder what the fuck Jeff was on about <laughs> also where has Jeff been like between this and when he turns up it's like half an hour 45 minutes like what is he doing <laughs> what's he been doing has he just been sitting there like staring at the mirror going you could do it Jeff go on Jeff you could do Psyching it psyching himself up <laughs> he just knows he's going to do something stupid <laughs> Speaking of doing something stupid, oh, in God. Ric Flair's office, the contract for the main event is being drawn up, and Flair has his lawyer add a stipulation to the contract that if Austin loses, he will become Flair's personal assistant, and he must do everything Flair tells him, including wearing a dress on Raw. <gasps> the worst! How could you? What a heel! <laughs> Flair adds one final stipulation, stating that punches are banned, and if Austin throws one punch, he'll be disqualified 
and lose. Austin enters the room and signs the contract without reading it. Uh, Flair follows suit, and Austin makes himself laugh by asking if one of the guards is listening to the radio on his earpiece. <laughs> sort of corpses after he gets the line out. Flair is amused at the situation, but Austin is not in on the joke. Hmm. I they're adding more stipulations. This is the thing. It's just kind of like, okay, he can't punch, but you know, again, is he really going to be benched forever? But yeah, also, exactly. but also, after Stone Cold said like, "Oh, <laughs> you're gay," Ric Flair says that he wants Stone Cold to be his personal assistant to clean his toilets. That will come up again later. Um, mm. But also, like, he has to wear a dress, and it's like you're not doing yourself any favors, my dude. Like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very. Uh... Mm. Yeah, it's very. It's a very 2002 time. episode. This. Oh one. yes, oh yes. There's quite a few bits that are just like, well, I mean, the next segment as well. But also, like, I was, was going to say, speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here is a sentence that I imagine I'm probably not going to utter too many times on this podcast. Up next, Trish Stratus is taking on Terry in a WWE Women's Championship match, and the stipulation is: this is. A lingerie match. Boy, which oh, means, oh, yeah, which means <laughs> they'll be wrestling in their lingerie. Uh, the first note I have on this match is Jesus Christ. <laughs> this was absolutely not what was needed to legitimize Trish as the champion. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, this, this is absolutely in Terry's wheelhouse, she loves doing all the sort of like scanty clad kind of bits, mm. but I think this is a step back for Trish, who they're trying to get over as a a proper contender at this point. Yeah. I mean, funny you say that actually, because watching this, I did I was really impressed by how legitimate it was. Like I didn't realise yeah. that I don't know if lingerie matches were being phased out at this point. Um but I did I was impressed by a lot of the technical stuff that was happening. There was a really nice pin reversal spot um, yes, that was like technically really good. There was a like Terry is going up on the on the top rope, doing like dives and stuff in a thong. Like if she if she slips, you know, just a little slip, her butthole is just out for everyone to see. <laughs> Which, to be fair, knowing Terry, yeah. she'd probably be all right. With. <laughs> <But> <laughs> as long also, as it gets a reaction, yeah. But also, like, it was actually really impressive. Like some of the stuff that's actually happening, and then. Yeah, it, I was really surprised because I thought it was just going to be hair pulling and then like maybe someone will fall over. Like when Trish, it seems like the first thing, it was like Terry gets out of the way when she's trying to run the ropes and then like um Trish just kind of falls over a bit and I thought, oh gosh, here we go. It's just going to be like flopping around. But no, it was an actual wrestling match just in their underwear. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that's, Not, that's probably the, the concession. You know, you know, if if we're going to send the champion out there in her pants, then at least she's going to have a match and not just sort of wiggle her ass around a little bit. Which I guess is something. It's better than better than you know being completely degraded into her, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> the, exactly. I mean, the thing is, when you think of it, when you when you look at what female wrestlers wear. Mm-hmm. It's not that far removed from underwear anyway, but to me, like by actively saying it's a lingerie match, they have chosen to objectify them. That's the problem. Exactly. Especially like the difference between a lingerie match and an underwear match. If there was yes. just like, it, it's as well like 
people say like what's the difference between you know seeing someone in their underwear and seeing someone in a bikini it's that kind of thing in that there there is a difference yeah there is a massive difference because it's the context and this you know it's a sexualized thing well exactly lingerie very much a a a titillation thing isn't it exactly because i think i've i can't remember if it was wrestlemania 17 or if it was another pay-per-view i watched um but i think i remember seeing a match and it was like a evening gown match and then right. they, they come out and they're wearing these beautiful dresses and then the dresses get ripped off and they're in their underwear and it's mm. just like oh gosh it's one of those kind of segments but this one didn't them, feel yeah. like yeah one of them it just it didn't feel like that for some reason it, although commentary you know that really did make it feel like that because you got oh, well you've got yeah. jerry lawler on there and yeah. he's not helping matters oh what was i called to referee this because you're... <laughs> because you're a greasy sick oh, old pervert that's why I think this is the one. I think Jr. actually tells that he's like sweating Grisco from this. That's so gross. <laughs> it's so bad. But also, something something I thought about when I was watching this, like this is really bizarre. But like that say, like the underwear set that Trish Ratters is wearing, I'm fairly sure they sold that exact same set in Primark of like around the time it was like their standard like A to D cup. Ah, like Trish in her Primarni best. I was just like, it was just, it's such like a nostalgic cut to me. I think the only difference is like the scalloped edges. I, I, I know you weren't expecting a review of the actual underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can turn it into a regular segment, honestly. <laughs> underwear watch. Um, <laughs> but honestly, like, I, I was, there was a bit at the end, like, but honestly, overall, pretty decent match. Like, I know it's a kind of cravat of like, oh, well, you know, for women or, you know, for an underwear match, it was fine. But sure. I, there was actually a lot of, like, technical stuff that I was impressed with. I'm just repeating myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did, I did like the, well, there was an attempt to do something a little bit interesting, but unfortunately got turned into a, oh, it, oh, it looks a bit sexy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry at one point uh, climbs a turnbuckle. Trish picks her up in a powerbomb position mm-hmm. and then walks about a bit and the audience start whooping because it looks a little bit like oral sex. Oh, yes. That, that's naughty, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But um, the spot was actually Ter- really Terry good. Like, Terry like, tries to turn it into a hurricane rana, yeah. but doesn't get Trish down, so Terry almost accidentally innovates the Styles Clash and breaks her fucking neck. But, oh, know. God. <laughs> um, re- the ending was really weird, though, I did think. Like, yeah. Trish... Um, rather than going for like the the proper satisfaction, um, Trish just hits a bulldog and gets the win at two sixteen. Yeah. But then a small child in the audience goes satisfaction. So. <laughs> Didn't hear that. Amazing. Oh, there was um there was another match as well where you could hear someone just going absolutely mental in the crowd, just like <laughs> screaming. But after the match. Dear, sweet, lovely, pure and wholesome Molly Holly hits the ring and punches Trish with brass knuckles, or tries to, as Trish blocks the shot with the Women's Championship and Molly hurts her hand, which I thought was quite funny. Um, Trish swings the belt somewhere in the region of Molly's head and knocks her down, (laughs) which is not funny at all. How dare you attack Molly Holly like that? (laughs) Trish takes off her pants and reveals a thong and then throws her pants in Molly's face. Uh, Molly is offended at this vulgar display because she is the best and I love her. <laughs> so funny enough, okay, I thought it was really weird when Molly came in and like tapped her shoulder before she punched her. I'm just <laughs> really cartoonish. I'm 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 taking that as Molly Holly is just such a sweet 
pure cinnamon roll <laughs> that she wanted to give Trish a chance, which is very she noble. Can't e- she can't even cheat without being polite. She, she can't even cheat without being polite. Like, I bet she asked William Regal very, very nicely if she could borrow the brass knuckles and everything. <laughs> but when Trish, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what happened, but when she pulls her pants down, I, honest to God, thought she was going to start the Kiss My Ass Club. I thought she... <laughs> I I don't know what... I, I was just very confused with the pants and then throwing them. Like, I understand, like, Molly Holly, bless her heart, was very, you know, very distraught at that. But I honestly thought it was going to go a bit further than that. And it was just a bit of a weird kind of fade out, I guess. It was just kind of like, whoa, sexy, and that's it. It's <laughs> very strange. Like, here's my underwear making me the victor somehow on a moral standpoint. Yeah. All right. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. And it was like, even commentary and said, like, they feel like it was all set up so she could do that. And it's like, well, surely if she set that up, she would have planned something a bit more extreme than just throwing her underwear. Like, even... You'd think, yeah. Even just, like, a strash a stratisfaction or something yeah just something um yeah i don't know <laughs> it was it was a fun little spot and uh, yeah <laughs> Very backstage strange. arn anderson laments being weed on <laughs> benoit holds his head as if this is a national tragedy <laughs> uh, arn says that flair has a bunch of toilets at his home that which is a i didn't expect to hear and then when austin is forced to serve flair on will we on Austin too, goddammit. Uh, Benoit says the irony is that Austin is about to flush his whole career down the toilet. He then, he then looks contemplative, as if the ponderance of the very nature of man came to his mind in that moment. <laughs> oh, God. Weird. It's, it's very strange, like, because, obviously, apart from the obvious um, of you know, what Benoit's known for, I've only ever yeah. heard that he's a very good technical wrestler, and he's yeah, very... Yeah, absolutely. In- very intense like character yes. Yes. and hearing like this very intense serious person be like oh yes he's gonna flush his whole toilet down the pan and then like just to have a punchline is just a bit weird you're not i wasn't really expecting it it's like if brock lesnar said it <laughs> just like what but <laughs> I, I can i can see like modern brock lesnar saying that like modern yeah. i don't give a shit brock lesnar <laughs> oh yeah viking with the little ponytail and everything hell yeah um, but it was just now. Was, pay me a million dollars for saying <laughs> it. <laughs> Where's my money? <laughs> but also, like, again, like because, like, so, sorry. With this coming after like the Attitude Era, obviously they're trying to mm. capture lightning in the bottle again. Absolutely. And it, and it feels like the best way they're trying to emulate that is piss jokes, and it's like mm. this whole main event is like based around piss. <laughs> like, <laughs> You so have... now you've said that you've changed the complexion of the whole show for me. <laughs> like, honestly, there is some really gross stuff in this show. <laughs> it's, it's based just... off ends. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all we. Like, that's all, that's all, everything that's happening about. Honestly, mm. they should have just wrestled for, you know, Victor gets to piss on the loser. And that would have been, you know, it would have been higher stakes, I think. <laughs> Maybe... It would have... <laughs> Maybe one of the writers just misread the company's new name and thought it was W-E-E. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. Up next, then, we got tag team action. We've got Brock Lesnar, accompanied by Paul Heyman, teaming up with Eddie Guerrero versus Bubba Ray Dudley and Rob Van Dam. Uh, Brock's match card photo has a goatee, and I do not like it. <laughs> this is pretty much a people who know Paul Heyman match. <laughs> 
Every, everyone here is like on some decent terms with Pauline in some way or another. This, I mean, this is this is a decent little tag match. This one, very quickly, um, you lose track of who the legal man is. Oh god, yeah. Uh, lots lots of good double teaming by the heels. There's one point where uh, Brock gives Bubba a fireman's carry slam, and down in Ohio Valley Wrestling, the prototype John Cena takes note. Oh. Uh, we get uh, a point where Brock is absolutely manhandling Bubba, and oh. it looks just as impressive against the larger Bubba as it did against the teeny tiny scrawny little Hardys over the course of the last month, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Bubba does get his own back, though. He gets Brock in the corner and goes for the tag. Tags RVD, and on his way out of the ring just gives Brock a big fat slap on the tit just before he gets <laughs> out of the ring. No! How did I miss that? Just a big clap on the boob just and just gets out of the ring. He's like, you can't hit me now because I'm not the legal man. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I'm surprised anyone was keeping track of who was legal. <laughs> like, It got very confusing. Oh I gosh. Say. I feel like, um, so there's this whole thing of like, just dumping people together to have tag matches for the sake yes. of it. But Which I, is quite often a problem. Oh, but yeah. this, this, this kind of worked for me, I've got to be honest. I, I, I think it did as well, because as well, it seemed to have like pairs up. So it was like RVD and Eddie, because they had that yes. beef, and Bubba Ray and Brock, who had recently been feuding. And, yes. But also, RVD worked with Brock, and Bubba Ray worked with Eddie, and it still worked in that kind of way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'm so used to, like, when I've seen some wrestling they've had like a rope in a little in the corner like a little rope that they keep hold of and they've got to hold that and they've got to do, do the tag and it's got to be like a full thing and all that tag so, rope fans rise up oh yes <laughs> so not having that and just having you know like okay so eddie goes out of the ring because his back's hurting and he doesn't tag or anything he's just like oh no <laughs> yeah. i can't and, <laughs> just begging off oh, oh uh, and then he's out and then he comes back in and it's just like and it's fine i guess that was i i kind of put it up to heels being heels so it's oh, just yeah. like of course they're gonna try and you know be a bit they're gonna try and mess around with who's actually legal um but honestly, like, the force, like, there's some spots where, like, Brock Lesnar's, like, throwing Bubba Ray into, like, the corner post, and you just oh, gotcha. hear the smack. It's just amazing. The force that he's just throwing these people. He's just yeah. yeeting. Yeeting and yeeting. Amazing. Just Bubba really... gives as good as he gets, though. There's one oh, where gotcha. he, gives, he gives Brock an absolutely gorgeous German suplex. Um, just before he tells himself to get the table, for <laughs> Devon is not present. Oh, no, um, and then the referee protests in like the slightest terms possible. He's like, "Eh, Bubba, maybe don't do that. Yeah. Eh, I'm not going to stop you. Who cares? <laughs> if it makes the fans happy, who am exactly. I to say no? Exactly. Don't want to be a killjoy, you know. <laughs> maybe very, don't. very cool moment though, um, where uh, Eddie has Bubba downed next to the ropes, and Eddie's on the ring apron. Yeah. Um, and then as Bubba sits up, Eddie hits the slingshot helo, but he turns into a neckbreaker in midair. Oh my god, Oof. it looks so fucking gorgeous! Oh yes. Why is why is Eddie so good? <laughs> uh, Brock at one point, I, th I think it became clear that Brock is he's been told that he'll be paid extra for each of Bubba's ribs that he'll break with a shoulder thrust because he is going <laughs> to fucking town with them. Jesus, I wouldn't be surprised honestly. <laughs> but it was just it was just amazing just seeing like these two absolute units just throw each other around and then like also being able to like RVD and Eddie even though they're like smaller guys they didn't look ridiculous being there. It wasn't like no, they were, no. you know they, this wasn't 
yeah, <laughs> it it still seemed legitimate, even when Absolutely. like RVD was against Brock or you know Eddie was against Bob Ray, it still looked legit legitimate. But RVD, like, I don't know what because I'm I'm really bad at the best of times with like moves and like the names of them. But mm. RVD hits. I've got it down as flying springboard bullshit because I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, I he think that's does... the official name. I believe that's what it's called in uh, 2K22. <laughs> but it's just absolutely amazing because I, I'm, I've seen a lot of like flippy stuff and a lot of it is kind of like, there'll be really impressive spots, but they'll take like half a minute to set up. And it's yes. that kind of loses the impact. But just seeing the way, like even there's a way, there's a point where he jumps up onto the corner onto the top rope and then he spins round and it's like that. It's just instantaneous. Oh, yeah. That he moves like a cat on the ropes. And it's RVD absolutely is incredible. Impressive. Yeah. Just... He's I mean, the, the his theme song is not kidding. He really is one <laughs> of a kind. There is not another wrestler that's quite like Rob Van Dam and that's part of what makes him so damn good in my opinion. Yeah. Um so we move towards the finish and as R V D goes up top for that frog splash, but Heyman shoves him off which allows Brock to give RVD an F5. Bubba hits the ring and tackles Brock, and the two bra- uh, brawl on the ground, which allows Eddie the opportunity to nail his own frog splash on Rob and picks up the win at nine minutes flat. Nice. Uh, to me, this was a hell of a match. Two of the all-time greats, one of the most gifted rookies, and one of WWE's best brawlers, all colliding in this wonderful little... Uh, Stew pot of a match. Beautiful. Mwah, chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. I thought, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think this might have been, like, it, it's hard to think, but I think this might have been my favourite match of the night. That, and I it's wasn't very, expecting very good. It's so good. That was, it's my first introduction. It's the first time I think I've probably seen, like, Bubba Ray wrestle. It's definitely the first time I've seen him, like, without Devon. Yes. First time seeing RVD. First time seeing young Brock. And it's amazing that he can, because, you know, you think of Brock nowadays, it's just kind of like, he's got five moves and that's all it is. And rah, he's just phoning it in. Uh, that's what it- kind of broke my heart about when Brock returned, because for years, it, to me, Brock was like the Holy Grail, like the guy that they'll never get to return. And then he came back and it's like, oh yeah, brilliant. All these dream matches we'll get and just immediately toilet. Oh gosh. <laughs> Backstage then. Coach is with William Regal. Coach tells Regal that his friend Molly got her butt whooped by Trish. Regal... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, come on, it's not funny, it's puerile, it's it's immature, it's stupid. I I knew I wasn't going to be able to say this with a straight face. Regal calls Trish, quote, a dirty, filthy scrubber, end quote. (laughs) Which, to an American audience... I'm sure that didn't mean anything, but that's <laughs> wonderful British insult, his oh, scrubber. He's, it's just, like, so perfectly British. Yeah. <laughs> it's... That, 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 that was a very sort of, like, early 2000s insult as well. We were we were using that one at, uh, on, at school on the playground quite a lot. Oh, you scrubber. <laughs> scrubber. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very nice word. I do apologise. <laughs> oh, sorry. I've never heard it used as an insult. <laughs> It's so good. Oh, this is not even the worst that Regal will uh, will have over the course of our timeline. There is one that is so bad that they had to cut it from Sky because somebody, before it aired over here, somebody went, well, we're not fucking showing that. No way. 
Wow. So talking of his upcoming King of the Ring qualifier against Booker T, Regal says that he'd be the perfect fit for the winner, as his name is Regal, like a king. <laughs> Accidental foreshadowing. Uh, Booker T walks past and takes umbrage at this, claiming that he will be king. Accidental foreshadowing. <laughs> Booker makes a quip about George Washington, and Regal is less offended than he is pedantic, keen to explain to Coach that Washington never fought King George. Uh, however, in retort, Booker shouts, Sucker, in Regal's face. <laughs> I love that. I love the way he came back in. It was just like, he knew that he was just going to be upset about it, that he was going to be like, no, no. <laughs> but also, like, when he's, when Regal's talking and he's like, he, he says, like, sunshine and stuff like that. It's oh. just so quintessential. Like, that's, that's what British people are like. There's no pop up cheerio kind of thing. It's very yes. much that kind of thing. It's very authentic in a way, even though it's. I, I could listen to Regal talk all day, either in oh. his posh character accent or in his actual Blackpool accent. He could, <laughs> he could talk the hind legs off a donkey and I wouldn't be bored for one second. I love hearing that man just <laughs> chat whatever he likes. We hop back out to the ring then, and at ringside, Jerry Lawler is reading the paperback re-release of the WWF cookbook. Yes, F, because the new company name has not been printed on the front. Excellent work, guys. Good job. Whoops. <laughs> we then get a little look back at last week's Tough Enough 2 season finale, in which Linda Miles and Jackie Gado were named the two winners. Now, one of those two women will be involved in a historical legendary moment within the next month and yes dear listeners you had better believe that we will be covering it on this podcast and i'm sure one or two of you are already groaning oh so up next then we have booker t versus william regal in another king of the ring qualifying match uh, i gotta say booker in the nwo trunks looks as cool as heck Oof, so good great look for uh regal's belt also hasn't been repressed Ooh. <laughs> What are they doing? Like, I know they're going to get rid of a lot of these belts by the end of the year anyway, so maybe they don't think it's worth it, but very strange. Uh, lots of cool chain wrestling stuff in the early going here, which is lovely, and I I could watch extended portions of this as long as you like with Regal doing cool chain wrestling shit. Uh, the two of them end up brawling at ringside. Regal throws Booker into the ropes for the devastating Boingy Boing. <laughs> What? <laughs> the devastating boingy boing. <laughs> I don't know why it hurts, but apparently it's bad. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Booker, uh, they get back in the ring. They, uh, they have again. It's a very another very quick match. They're sort of going from spot to spot. A lot of punches. Spin kick from Booker. Booker gets the scissors kick. Picks up a two, which completely kills his finisher. Good job, guys. Uh, goes for the move again. Ends up crotching himself when Regal dodges. Regal. Then goes outside of the ring, throws his European Championship and a steel chair into the ring. The ref uh, spots the chair, removes it, but Booker doesn't allow Regal to pick up the belt. Picks it up himself, blasts him in the head, uh, and removes the evidence before the ref turns around to pick up the win at 2.26. I think that is probably the best they could do in 2.26. Oh, yeah. A punch kick, but what can you do in two and a half minutes, you know? Exactly. Um, I really liked it. I really liked the mat work. Um, I always get really excited when I see, um, when I see mat wrestling. Um, because when I watched WrestleMania, so WrestleMania 17 was like the first big pay per view I watched, obviously. Oh, wow. Yeah. All downhill from there. You fucked that up, didn't you? Exactly. Thanks for this. But, um, there was like one match. I can never remember who it was. I want to say it was Angle and Benoit. 
But there was mm, someone yes. where um, literally the bell rings and then like as soon as it starts, they hit the mat and they're just like yes. on the floor and they're just wrestling. And Incredible. In, like compared as well to like a lot of the squaring up or like, oh, I'm going to grab your shoulders and I'm going to grab your shoulders and we're going to push. You know, it was actually really exciting. So seeing that yes. kind of stuff again as well and like seeing two guys who could do it very well and Booker's scissor kick, I'd never seen a scissor kick, kick done like well ever but that was amazing Just it's a, a great boom. move yeah oh so looks, good. looks gorgeous when booker does it i think um i think alicia fox had a variation i think she had an axe kick more than a scissors kick and they it, that looked okay but booker's is it's Oof. something else it's, it's it's a gorgeous little kick oh yes i do After, i do like as sorry, well yeah no, i was just about to say about that as well <laughs> <laughs> right with the uh, the spinner rooney oh yes <laughs> oh, we love we love the spinner Rooney. Um, Booker does that to the delight of the crowd after the match. Uh, I I think like based on the reaction, despite the fact that he's been, you know, he's a member of the NWO, sure, but Booker is fully cemented as a babyface at this point. He's he's been back and forth a little bit, but his association with Gold Dust and you know the 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 crowd pleasing stuff, <laughs> they don't want to boo Booker T. Exactly. I feel like, I don't know if that was a thing throughout the whole of the NWO, but I feel like it was, well, obviously not with X-Pac, but <laughs> I feel like it was that kind of like thing of like, okay, they're heels, but they're really cool, so you like them anyway. Like, oh, Kevin Nash, oh, he's a bad guy, but oh, he's cool. And you That was pretty much why they took off in the first place in WCW, because the three of them were so fucking cool, you didn't want to boo them. Yeah. And then they ended up adding people like Buff Bagwell to the, <laughs> stu- uh, to the stable, and that pretty much fucked that up forever. Never mind, eh, lads? <laughs> oh, gosh. Backstage... Tommy Dreamer is at it again. Oh. Uh, he has... Right, I'm going to have to get this out of the way because this is fucking horrible. He wa- he's he been sick with worry after learning he would be having a match with Undertaker. Literally. Uh, he's hunching over a bucket and Coach tries to make him feel better by showing him Undertaker beating the fuck out of someone much cooler and tougher than him, <laughs> Triple H, on SmackDown last <laughs> week. Uh, Tommy reacts violently into the bucket, and honestly, I had to look away because this was gross. I've got to say, like... I assume it wasn't real puke, Oh, no, definitely. But it was still fucking horrible. Yeah, no, um, it's all, like, it looks like tinned chicken soup, and it most probably is. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But honestly, Dreamer kind of, like, really sells it with the retching... It's yes. surprisingly visceral the way he mm. retches, and oh, I just, I, oh, I did not like it. Ugh. It's been an uncomfortable couple of weeks of uh, Tommy Dreamer-related action on the timeline. As the previous week, he drank Undertaker's chewing tobacco spit. Ugh, why? Which was yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I agree. I fucking agree. But also, um, like, I. I with the whole match booking and everything like that, I don't understand why he was facing The Undertaker. Why did The Undertaker want to beat him up, basically? Because The Undertaker was like, no, mate, you are a gross little fucker, and I am not going to stand for that. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> uh, not having it. <laughs> Undertaker, oh, this, wow. I. Do you know what, like, the previous week on SmackDown, Undertaker very nearly accidentally turned babyface, and this didn't help matters, because I think <laughs> fans weren't pleased with Tommy Dreamer. Um, so we, ha- we have Undertaker versus Tommy Dreamer up next, and Undertaker is wearing a very tall bandana, which makes his head look xenomorph-like in its verticality. <laughs> it does! 
That's the best way to describe it. <laughs> uh, it it pretty much goes downhill from there then, because Tommy comes out with the bucket. He then has a uh, repeat performance of his uh, repeated lunch. Tommy then puts the bucket on the ring steps, and then, for some fucking reason, the cameraman goes in for a closer look. Oh, it gets worse. Um, It does. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those of you that have been listening to this podcast, you've been following this storyline along with me. I don't need to tell you what Tommy does next, but he does it. Um, I spent the entirety of this match fucking gagging, and I wasn't going to rewind it to make proper notes, so (laughs) you'll you'll get what I fucking give you, damn it. Uh, Take a power slams dreamer at ringside, works him over in the corner, Undy goes for a choke slam, follows up with elbow drops. Uh, he covers Dreamer, but lifts his shoulder at two to inflict more punishment on Dreamer and indeed the rest of us. <laughs> Locks in the Dragon Sleeper, picks up the easy win at three minutes flat after Dreamer has spat puke all over the ring, and I really hope they changed the mat. <laughs> um, I gotta say, this not only was this completely fucking disgusting, this did nothing for either man. It didn't make Undertaker look like a badass. It made him look like he'd just beaten up a poorly man. <laughs> I appreciate giving Tommy Dreamer a unique character, but for the life of me, I can't see this gimmick ever making a single solitary dollar. What a waste of fucking time. I, I'm uh, st- and I, I think as well, dragging the the WWE Championship down to this level does enormous damage to the value of the belt. Oh, God, yeah. But also, this is a gimmick? This is a thing? This isn't just... Oh, yeah. This isn't just he's had a bad week? No, Tommy Dreamer, oh, no. he's he he's been at it again for a while. Now. No. He he's been he 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 drank he drank the the water out of a urinal, he drank the wee wee out of a urinal. Why? He drank he drank barbicide at a barber shop. He ate hair at the barber shop. Of course. He's just a sick little puppy. Oh gosh. But also something during the match, when he goes to like puke, I think it's as he comes in like as he's walking down the ramp and he's like starts retching. There's an EC dub chant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that Paul Heyman was very happy with that. I'm like, this is your legacy? It's puke. <laughs> oh gosh. But so horrible. Sorry, just a little bit about the, the match. I I I did take notes. It's all right. I did actually watch this twice. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I had to show what? my other half this. I had to. He had to see it. He had to see it. And he hasn't dumped you. My God! I know. I know. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, at the at the the, the opening segment where um where Stone Cold was like, "Oh, you like nature. You like boys," and then he pees on on Anderson. He did actually <laughs> laugh at that, and I was just like, mm, "Judging you." <laughs> <laughs> But, um, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, but what do you call it? Um, there's a really good noise from the Undertaker. He goes like "bah" really loudly at what? Like, oh, good as, old I, Undertaker noise. I think I think it was as he was like hold. He was doing the submission hold that Tommy taps out of. But oh yeah, yeah. But also, there's a point when he slam um, when Undertaker slams him on the outside. Um, there's like a little bit of puke, puke, quote unquote, that like, mm. it's it's not like a spray, it's just like a little bit. And it actually looks really convincing as just, he's had a really bad tummy and he's just a little bit of puke that's just gone out. And it's... A, a, re- a really bad tummy dreamer. A really... Oh, you. <laughs> that's why, oh. that's why, ladies and gentlemen, we outrank WWE's The Bump on podcast networks. Woo! Congrats. <laughs> a feat that will not be repeated anytime soon. <laughs> Definitely not with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no way, Jesus. 
So, how else can we cap this segment off? Of course, Undertaker picks up the bucket and pours the sick on Tommy Dreamer. Uh, the one, the one solitary funny spot of this for me was the fact that Taker picked up the bucket and then he motioned like he was going to throw it over Lillian Garcia. And she's like, "Please, Jesus, God, no, leave me alone." <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. <laughs> But then, out of nowhere, making good on a promise he made some 30 minutes ago, (laughs) Jeff Hardy surprise attacks Undertaker from behind and drop kicks him into the pile of sick. Mm. Please stop showing us the sick. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Also, I'm fairly sure commentary have done more to put over the smell of the puke than they have some of these matches. Yeah. It's (laughs) horrible. Oh, it's so bad. But also, so, I know, like... Again, I've, I only know, like, wrestling through osmosis in a way. Just what sure. what ends up in the internet culture. So I know that there was a match between Undertaker and Jeff Hardy. Where, yes. Um, where, where I think, spoiler alert, Undertaker wins, but Jeff Hardy looks amazing in defeat. Like, he makes him yes. look a big deal. Was that a result of this angle? <laughs> I believe so, yes. That took place 1st <laughs> of July. We will be covering that one as well. <laughs> amazing! That's, that's what, wow. That's yeah. That's considered one of the best matches in WWE history as well. And it's from Tommy Dreamer throwing up. It's, I know. Isn't that fucked up? Oh boys and wow! Girls. <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like it, is there? Thank God, you might say. Oh gosh. Wow. That's amazing. But also, I'm glad that it builds up to it. That makes me feel slightly better. At least, at least there is some kind of a payoff. Exactly. Silver yeah. lining. Just keep that in mind, Ulti. When exactly. you're going through this, just remember. It all pays like editing, off. Editing all the hurling noises into the podcast. <laughs> oh. Backstage, Matt Hardy is on the phone to his mother, and the Chundertaker bursts into the <laughs> locker room and asks where Jeff is. Matt says Jeff is gone, and Undertaker asks Matt to deliver a message. Matt asks what it is. Taker beats the fuck out of him <laughs> and leaves. Lol. The Chundertaker? The Chundertaker. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's so good but also yeah well <laughs> i mean understandable but like he was just like matt hardy was just like so earnest and just like oh yeah i'll pass on your message just completely oblivious <laughs> to anything that's happening <laughs> and it's like oh no <laughs> it just gets beating the crap out like of comes to like what the fuck did i do <laughs> oh um undertaker's got a message for you jeff oh yeah what is it um uh... <laughs> Read this medical report, you all will become clear. I did like in this bit, there was like an obviously like fake wall yes. set up for the set, and Undertaker throws Matt into it, and it kind of gives way a little bit, and you could see two members of the crew Just there, like, oh. and they have to they have to kind of pretend that they aren't seeing this. It's so weird. Just like, um, it's alright, it's alright guys. I didn't need, oh gosh, I thought that might have been like, they had been like, it was like backstage somewhere in the arena or something, and they've like sectioned it off. And I thought that might be like the medical bay. <laughs> Maybe. Just, yeah. It's like everyone, like, oh, just checking over your ankle and stuff. And all of a sudden, Matt Hardy goes bursting through the wall. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be fair. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to be thrown through a wall into any room, you would want it to be the medical bay. You would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. So we cut to the ring where Kevin Nash heads out to make his big announcement. Uh, he says that a lot of announcements don't live up to their hype, mm-hmm. but he's promised his announcement would rock WWE to its foundation. And he introduces the newest member of the NWO. Gold! No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> Sean fucking Michaels. And honestly, he is looking tremendous Oof. and as clean as a whistle. 
Um, thank God is all I can say. Oh yes. Uh, he poses for the fans who are delighted to see him. Gives Nash the old two sweet and a big hug, and Sean and Nash do the classic Diesel and HBK pose, which is really really cool. But I mean, it's also a little bit weird because, as we know, Diesel is a totally different person to Kevin Nash, so I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> I, I... Obviously, a completely different human being. You've never seen them in the same room at the same time, <laughs> admittedly. But I mean, I we all know they're not the same guy. They're not the same guy. <laughs> no way. But um, there was one bit I really liked. Um, first of all, they played a theme through twice because yeah, the crowd is... like they haven't e- they haven't even figured out how to make Sean's theme loop. They just fade it out and start <laughs> it again. again. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, go on, do it again, <laughs> because everyone is just absolutely living. It took me. I didn't notice until after the the segment had ended that they didn't even say anything. It was just they came out and posed, right? Yeah, and it was just amazing. But also, I like when. Um, when Shawn Michaels goes to two sweet him, and then, and then, and then Nash does it again, but he holds his hand up high enough that he has to jump to reach it. <laughs> I thought that was so funny, <laughs> but it was just—it was just a really nice segment. Like I ended up pausing it and having a look because yeah. I didn't know. Like obviously he's just come back, but I didn't know what from. Yes, and it turns out it was like a really bad injury. And yeah, we we thought he was done. You yeah, know, we we thought he was not coming back in any real capacity. Funny thing is, he was supposed to come back. I think about a year prior, but that was when he was on his way to hitting rock bottom, as it turns out. Oh. Um, so by this point, he is fully clean, and he stays clean, and he's still clean to this day, and he's turned his life around good on you mate is oh, all I can fantastic say. love to see it but yeah like you say i i think it's almost more effective that they didn't say anything yeah. i mean i assume after the show went off the air they probably had like a little segment yeah. for the fans or something he probably came yeah. out and spoke to it because you know they were in texas so i'd be surprised if sean didn't say something either during the ad break or after the show oh yeah but yeah i mean it was just a cool moment seeing him pose there the only thing is like well, the fans already love Booker T. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to boo Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash now, so you've accidentally turned the end of a little baby face <laughs> with this. Whoops. Whoopsie doodle. I mean... Mm, it won't last, don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be... I'm sure there'll be something, but also, like... Yeah, doesn't... Because I was looking and I was like, well, what happens next kind of thing? And mm. I think, doesn't he start a feud with Triple H after this? Oh, boy, does he ever. That fucking does not die for, like, three years, that feud. <laughs> well, have fun and that. then they have a midlife crisis. <laughs> and then they're buddies. <laughs> yeah, and it's just fine. And now he runs NXT. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> oh, gosh. But this was an amazing spot, honestly. Like, this was a great yeah. segment. and Good to see. Yeah. A, just a nice, happy, warm welcome for a, an old favourite. Yeah. And, and, you know, in fairness... One of the one of the greats in terms of in ring performances, and the crazy thing is, a lot of people will tell you this: Shawn Michaels' first run, tremendous. His second run, even better somehow. Wow! But hey, I, I suppose when he's not absolutely coked off his face night in and night out, that probably accounts for it. Yeah. But yes, we are in for some good shit with HBK, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, oh awesome! Grand. Nice. Meanwhile. Speaking of famous Texans, in Stone Cold's locker room, Deborah is looking over the contract for Stone Cold's match. Uh, Steve is not best impressed to have learned of Flair's stipulations, but Deborah is giggling away because she spotted the lawyers made a mistake. The phrasing of the contract is that 
the loser must become the winner's assistant, which means that the stipulation now applies to both men. And Austin's pretty happy with that revelation. Good old cheeky, giggly, happy Deborah having the time of her fucking life in this segment. <laughs> For this, she was paid ten thousand dollars. Good, get that bag. <laughs> Worth every cent, honestly. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> but um, what do you call it? I yeah, I I found it really weird at the end of the segment. Like they're laughing and stuff, and like Stone Cold's like ha 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 ha, and then he like his face just drops, and he just walks off like dead serious, <laughs> and it's like okay, that's a little bit weird. <laughs> like I'm guessing he's just getting his game face on, but um, something like that. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a it was a bit of a weird segment. It was just a bit. It was like, of course, he needs to find out about the stipulation, and of course, you know, it would work the other way around because contracts are not just a one-sided thing. You can't just be like, exactly. give me your soul, and I'll give you five p. Like you. Need to- <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if they were like that. <laughs> imagine if you were. You could just be like, haha, gotcha. <laughs> like. <laughs> Ric Flair isn't like some kind of like I don't know Sphinx or Fay or something like that. He's not gonna. He's... <laughs> as far as we know. Holy shit! As far as we know, you know it. Of course, you may pass if only you can answer my riddle three. I mean, yeah, it's just it was very strange. Like, of course, this is gonna be some. It, the whole thing, like by this point, like. We've already had Shawn Michaels come out. I'm over it yes. because I'm like, it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't bloody matter because he's not going to bloody lose. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you've just painted yourself into a corner here. It's like, I don't know. It's like, what if the main event of WrestleMania was Gobbledygooka versus John Cena? And it's like, <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? That, I, I think that Gobbledygooka kid might have a real chance. <laughs> it's a TLC match. <laughs> But it's just like <laughs> now, if it was Gobbledygooker versus John Cena in an I Quit match, uh, then he's fucked. Oh, exactly. Ah, uh, that's the point because Gobbledygooker can't speak. <laughs> but, it's just, <laughs> but it's just they've just made it far too convoluted, and they could have just had it as I'm very angry, like you know, of like Stone Cold wants to get off the bench, and Ric Flair is pissed because. Arn Anderson's got weed on. Like, you could have just left it at that. You don't have to add the Stone Cold has to wear a dress and Stone Cold has to clean the toilets and Arn Anderson's got to pee on Stone Cold. You don't need all that, especially for just like a random raw episode. Especially yeah. when you have such a big thing that no one's going to be like, oh, do you remember the June 3rd, 2002 episode of Raw? Oh, yeah, that was the one where Ric Flair and Stone Cold had a match over peeing. No, it's going to be the one where Shawn Michaels comes <laughs> where back. Shawn Michaels came back. Exactly. exactly. It's like, nobody's even going to remember the King of the Ring like qualifiers, because they mm. were only like four minutes of an hour and a half show, but nobody's going to remember the bloody Ric Flair and Stone Cold. Like, I even... Spoiler alert, I had a look because when I went to go onto this on the on the network when I went to rewatch it, mm. it queued up next the, the following week's episode. And the synopsis ah. doesn't even mention it. Ha <laughs> now there's a good reason for that. <laughs> I mean did... There's there's a very good reason for that. Have you uh, have you looked into why that is? I saw I guess it was a match between Vince McMahon. And Ric Flair. Ah, now we'll uh, we'll cover why the synopsis doesn't reference the events of this match. Um, so, yes, it is. It is time for the main event. Mm. Um, this is a weird one. Yeah. There, I 
I would struggle to even say this is a lot of punch kick because it's a lot of chop, chop, chop. There are more yes. chops than a butcher's window in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some fun spots in this. Like, obviously, neither man is allowed to punch, so they have to work around that. Um, there's some funny moments like Austin's about to throw a punch at Flair, and the referee, Charles Robinson, who is clearly on Austin's side, <laughs> just shouts, No, 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 no! Can't do that! <laughs> Uh, but then it like Austin sort of gives this look like he was only messing and throws a chop at Flair instead. <laughs> like, um, but we get like you know things like the the Lufez press where Austin always follows up with a punch and he can't goes for the the mounted ten punch in the corner and he can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's conceptually it's interesting, yeah. But unfortunately, you do get a, a huge extended sequences where it's just the two of them chopping one another, yeah. We do get a bit that breaks things up a little bit, though. Uh, Chris Benoit makes his way down the ramp to distract Charles Robinson as Austin nails the Stone Cold Stunner. But because the ref is busy telling Benoit to leave and he can't make the count, uh, it is all for nothing. And as the ref's looking away, Eddie gets in the ring, low blows Austin, gives him the frog splash, and then they both leave without the referee being any the wiser, which was a fun little spot. I quite like that. That, to me, was the best part of the match. There's yes. There's actually a camera shot when, um, as Eddie's in the air doing the frog splash and the ref is arguing with Benoit, that mm. looks like, if it wasn't for the subject matter, it would be a beam. It's just perfect for it. <laughs> just absolutely beautiful shot. But, like, that was the, that was the best shot. I was really, like, I got over the going for the punch and oh no can't have a punch like that it was a good spot the first time maybe the second time but the sixth time it's old it's out out yeah especially since they both like they do do some technical stuff that rick does this beautiful figure four and it is amazing to watch and the reversals were good it's they're both technically sound wrestlers they don't need to rely people forget that about austin exactly and they don't have to rely on the chops all the time. And also, first time watching a Ric Flair match, I had no idea what to expect. He makes some amazing noises. He's just... Oh, he really does. He's just, like, all over the place. He's just grunting and wailing and God knows what. He's very, very... One of my very favourite Ric Flair noises quite often follows uh, a backdrop where he'll just go, Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God! Which is sort of the the sound I make as I stand up a little bit too quickly. What's my knees go? Oh God! <laughs> but there was there was one kind of funny moment I thought though where um, Austin again goes to punch Flair, but Charles Robinson grabs his arm like, "Please God, no, stop! No. Don't do it!" <laughs> it's like it's like his parents are arguing at Christmas, and he's like, "Don't do but, like, it!" Dad. Because of because of the way that he's done it, he like hooks Austin's arm with his own arm, yeah. and ends up with his back to Flair, and Flair just punches Austin right in the eye and it's such a good little heelish behind the ref spike spot. That and then like good. Robinson's like like did you punch him? Like, no, 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 what are you talking about? No, I never I, I, ne- I never would. No. Me, the dirtiest player in the game, a cheater. No. <laughs> never. That one was really good. That was so good. And especially the cartoonish way that Flair is like denying it. And like just the earnestness in the the ref saying, like, did you do it? Did you do it? And it's like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I love. I'm an honest man. (laughs) Scouts or not, but I loved as well. Um, like, um, commentary has been kind of like I've, I've been listening to commentary because I need it a lot to figure out what's happening, what the angles are, Mm. and all that kind of stuff. And like, I think it's 
like JR's like, oh, I think he just punched him, and then King's like, no, he didn't. He never would. He, it was just the chop. <laughs> and it's just like it's really nice seeing like that kind of like, oh yeah, of course, because he's the hill commentary. So yeah, stupid, yeah. but I like I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it's just like it. There were some really good bits in this, like rewatching this especially because when I first watched it, I think I was just a bit burnt out. I was just like, yeah, I've. I've dealt with a lot of dross <laughs> going through and all this. <laughs> and they're trying to get me excited about this angle. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, we're fans that, like, I'm, I'm sure smart fans, quote unquote, are not a new thing in wrestling. Surely they oh, would, God, no. surely they would have known. Of course, you know, Stone Cold isn't going to be benched forever. Like, sure. why would they? Like, so it was hard to get into the kind of like, the tension of it, which kind of ruined that. But going back to it and rewatching it, I did really enjoy it, <laughs> especially the. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's not. It's not terrible. No. It's just. Eh, I it, it it's. Well, I I'll give you I'll give you the summation of uh, what we're sort of looking at here. Uh, Austin picks up the win with a second stunner out of nowhere at fourteen thirty three, and I think that is the big problem. We've had so many mm. short matches. And this one is padded with the chops. Yeah. Um, oh, incidentally, there was a moment where Flair actually did punch Austin. Um, and JR even said on commentary, oh, Flair fires back with a right hand. And then like, there's this awkward pause where he sort of goes, oh, shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I've just fucked this match. But to be fair, 14 and a half minutes, I bet it was quite difficult for them to force themselves to rewire their brains and not throw a punch in that. So yeah. honestly, good work on the both of them. Oh, yeah, no, but, definitely. Could have it, I expected more from these two all-time greats? In the yeah, honestly. I feel like there's a few matches during the night that could have been like one minute, maybe half a minute longer, and it would have yeah. had like that would have paid dividends. And then that one could have been just a little bit shorter. Like even if it was yeah. like seven minutes, like just a, it's a chop chop exchange. Like even yeah. you know, I was talking earlier about how I like. um the artist formerly known as Walter and he's like <laughs> massive into chops and he's a massive guy so it's like proper boom you and you get a very different caliber of chop from from uh, Walter slash Gunther oh yes you, you, you get like a cannonball to the chest exactly from him. that's and that's a spectacle when he does it what I kind of don't I'm gonna sound like an awful boring bastard now. <laughs> I kind of don't like it when chops are used as like uh, we can't think of a move to do. Let's hit one another for five minutes now. Yay! Exactly. No, no, no. Either you are going to put welts on one another's chests, or you're not going to fucking bother, lads. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same, honestly. Like, especially when it looks like it's going towards, like, a kind of boo-yay spot. It's just kind of like, uh, come on, I'll... Mm. I'll <laughs> over it <laughs> I, I i i like a i like a good well-timed bouillet spot yeah but i think when you get in them in every match it's like all right let's maybe 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 have your road agents talk to one another because i don't need this like seven times in a night exactly oh gosh so stone cold then has defeated the evil boss rick flair he's taken himself off the bench and ensured that Flair must be his servant. Now, do you know, I don't know about you, I'm really excited to see what Stone Cold <laughs> will do next week. I wonder what hijinks he'll have in store for Ric Flair. Well, I, for one, will be tuning in to see the continuing adventures of Stone Cold... Sti Wait, hang on, what's that? Just something, something in my notes here. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, very dear. What happens? Um, yes, ladies and gentlemen. 
This is, in fact, the final full-time wrestling appearance of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh! Which is why he's not on next week's role. Um, citing burnout and frustration with his creative, Austin did not turn up for Raw the following week. Wow. And walked out on the company. Uh, the next several months would mark the darkest point in Stone Cold's personal life, which is a period he still does not talk about to this day. Uh, he has said as well that he regrets the decision to walk out on Raw. Mm. He will, however, to this day, talk about how burnout is very real when you are the top star, mm. and he sympathises greatly with any wrestler that feels how he did in O2. Nevertheless... Next week, Raw is very much in panic stations mode. Mm -hmm. uh, Shawn Michaels could not have timed this return any better, as Raw's style power will take an immediate hit next week, and Vince McMahon will be pressing that panic button pretty damn soon after that, because he's not going to be the only star that's making a return to the WWE. Ooh. So yes, that's uh, tense. That's the the controversy for you. That's uh, bye bye Stone Cold. Now fear not, dear listeners, he will be returning on our timeline because obviously, as we know, Stone Cold is in. Uh, he's in the good books, in the good graces with the company again. Mm. He's gone for under a year, even. So you know, it's it's not a permanent thing, but he's not coming back as a full time wrestler. He's too burnt out, too broken down, and uh, yeah. It's it's nice that you know, in as much as he effectively has won this feud, but this storyline was over the course of the last couple of months, it's been fucking meandering and I don't blame him for thinking it was a big pile of shit personally. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. So yeah, what uh, what did you what do you think in general to uh, the final farewell of Mr. Austin? Gosh, that is a terrible farewell. Like for a year as well. I can't imagine mm. like watching it at the time and being like, "Oh man, I can't wait to see what Austin's gonna do." Oh, he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna make Ric Flair look so stupid. And oh no, nothing. Wow. I kind of like the idea that Ric Flair was like shitting himself for a week, like, "Oh, oh god, god, what's he gonna do to me?" <laughs> I don't want to wear a dress. <laughs> I mean, the robe isn't so, fair yeah. off. But um, honestly, like, funny enough, I was talking about this like um, with my other half because again. This is after the Attitude Era. We're trying to figure out yes. where we're going and everything. And it's trying to mm. build up these new stars and use the ones that you've got. And then you lose Stone Cold. Oh, This very much forced their hand into using those new stars. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, again, like looking through the people that you have, like on this card, at least, there's some really good talent. Like there are stars yeah. that could be there. It's just trying to build them up and you can't build them up with shy like this basically like pee gags and a whole episode bench you know kind of like booked around someone peeing on someone like come on you need to pull something out something a bit better something a bit bigger no wonder stone cold was bloody burnt out considering what he's doing I absolutely with. like I will say this much, though. The future is maybe a little bright. There are six people on this card here tonight who have never held a WWE World Championship and will go on to do so during the Ruthless Aggression era. So oh, nice. Kicking, uh, kicking things off a little bit by uh, forcing themselves to accept that Austin is gone and The Rock ain't coming back full time. Mm is, uh, you know, again, that silver lining yeah. uh, to the uh, to the old rain cloud, because a couple of new stars do get built off the back of this, which is good. 
Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's going to be a panicky few <laughs> few weeks there, i got to say. Oof, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be looking forward to tuning in next episode. I certainly mm. hope you do. Yeah. Next episode, speaking of which, uh, it's going to be from the same week as this show, because we've got another debut uh, from SmackDown on the 6th of June. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've actually got two debuts on the same show, oh, would you wow. believe it? <laughs> we have um, making her main roster debut is the female winner of Tough Enough 1, Nydia, who is going to be accompanying one of my very favourite gimmicks from this period. It's Jamie Noble, boy! The uh, redneck, white trash (laughs) cruiserweight, uh, just one of the great little characters on SmackDown that really make uh, the blue brand one of the shows to watch around this period, I thought. But that is next episode. As for this episode, what what do you think overall, top to tail of this, uh, this one? Top to tail? I... I'm surprised how much I liked it, honestly. Really? <laughs> I like so I like I mentioned, I have a bit of a contemptuous um relationship with wrestling at times. I'm very mm. much just kind of trying to figure out, you know, like there's a lot of stuff I don't like, so I'm kind of like taking it at a distance and just going, Well, if there is stuff I do like, maybe I'll go back. But this there's a lot of stuff in this that theoretically I shouldn't like, but I do. Sure. I like I liked dirt hardcore match with Bradshaw. I liked the... I Oh, man. I really need to see that RVD versus Eddie match because that looked amazing. It's good. It's real good. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm surprised considering how much I didn't like the build-up to the Ric Flair and Stone Cold match, how much I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed the lingerie match. I like the actual not not like that. But like um, I have the internet. I could just see underwear whenever I want. But <laughs> but I did enjoy like the technicality of it. There's a lot of stuff in here that I did yeah. really look that I did really like. And I'm actually really tempted to look more into stuff like some of the people that are on the card, look more into their bits, but also look at more stuff around this era as well. Well, that can only be a good thing. That's that's what I call a success. Yeah. Uh, usually, then, uh, on these shows, we sort of wrap things up by uh, asking, what was your high and low of the night? So, high point, low point, what do you got? Oh, so, low point, it's, um, it's a toss-up between the... Arn Anderson getting pissed off about being pissed on because that was a bit of nothing. (laughs) Yes, fair. um, But apart from that, I would say Undertaker versus Tommy Dreamer. I didn't realise that's that's a gimmick. That's a terrible gimmick. Like, no wonder Stan God left. It's like, oh, I'm sharing a card with a guy who pukes and then he eats the puke and then he throws the puke and he's covered in puke. It's terrible. Um, He's gonna puke. (laughs) Good shit, pal. Um, (laughs) Highlight for me, I would say, would either be the tag team match, because that was brilliant. Um, I did like, it was a combination of technical, like flippy stuff, but also some big guy yeeting stuff. That's always very fun. Um, oh gosh, the, the pop for Shawn Michaels was really good as well. Yes, that was lovely. It was, it's really hard to pick between those. Um, I think those might be my highlights, but also, what was the other one I was thinking of? I'm looking for my name, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that might be it. I think that might be my choice. Either Shawn Michaels or the tag team match, because that was very good. 
I'm pretty well gonna echo you on this one. For me, the Tommy Dreamer stuff, absolutely the low light of the show. Just get that off my screen. What the fuck are you doing? I guarantee you Vince McMahon was pissing himself watching that in <laughs> position. You know, the kind of stuff that is for an audience of one. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I think the tag match was fantastic, and yes, you're absolutely right, I love the pop for sure. He, you know, he's he's gonna be in heel mode not too long from now, but just, yeah. I imagine that probably made him feel pretty fucking good yeah. to be given such a, a hero as well, uh, welcome. Oh, that was the other thing I was gonna say, sorry. Um, not Ric Flair versus Stan Codd, because that was a bit kind of air, but the interruption, the, the, the Eddie and um, Chris Benoit coming in, and oh, the in- yes. What the hell is it called? Interference. Bloody yes. forgot the word then. The interference spot. <laughs> well, very well-timed, well-choreographed moment. Yeah, that. especially the, the shot of, honestly, that just that frame by itself is just amazing. That's worth the price of admission. <laughs> it's, honestly, I could just tag it with like a million things. It would be relatable. It's just 100% mean. <laughs> but yeah. Honestly, top to bottom, pretty good episode. Apart from the puke, that was gross. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I would say aside from that, this one kind of flew by. Um, I there was no point where I was sort of looking at my watch, going, "Oh my god, hurry up!" You know, same. Which uh, I can't, I can't say I feel the same way about every wrestling show in uh, contemporary times. Oh, so yeah. uh, good on you, twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's going to wrap it up for another episode. We we got there. We done it. Woo. <laughs> so I have a question for you where can our lovely listeners find you on the Twitters and such um, so I am on Twitter um, I, yeah <laughs> good luck um, I <laughs> I don't think highly of my own internet presence um, but my name is Nerd Trash Gen so it's, I can't spell it N-E-R-D T-R-A-S-H J E N. There we are. At Twitter. <laughs> that took me a while. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I promise I'm not normally this stupid. <laughs> I I think you're putting yourself down. Your Twitter's your Twitter's lovely, even if it is filled with lots of memes of Lewis <laughs> that nobody's going to get without the context. Look, right. If you can't stand your boyfriend, then who can you stand? You know. <laughs> Absolutely. And we all stand. The, the snares man. <laughs> Don't we all want get that? Get that on a t-shirt. We stand snares man. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, as for me, then, guys, you can uh, contact the podcast on Twitter at ra relived. You can uh, drop us an email ltruthlessaggression at gmail or you can find me at lt dangerous. And if you would be ever so kind, we'd really, really appreciate it if you'd uh, help with a, a good old retweet on Twitter or just spreading the words to your friends. It really helps out. Uh, the show is honestly... It's surpassing any expectations <laughs> I could possibly had. Um, I, I made a, a quip earlier about WWE's The Bump podcast. I was, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was scrolling through like top like wrestling podcast rankings and like on that one particular day at that one particular hour we'd managed to outdo them by like 20 places which is obviously bullshit and clearly not something I'm going to repeat but I was like yes beat the fed I'm great <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I'm going to put that one in my CV but yeah like if, if you listen uh, if you listen on uh, the old Apple podcast really appreciate a, a rating a review or indeed anywhere that offers ratings and reviews really helps the show out and uh, yeah we we're very uh, very keen on 
helping you guys uh, get a full, rounded wrestling education. And long may it continue as we go into next episode and Smackdown from the 6th of June 2002. So I am going to say, as we sign up, thank you so much, Jen. You have been an absolute star. It's been lovely having you on. It's been wonderful to be here. And hopefully we'll get you back on again. Maybe, maybe. Definitely, definitely. So long as the door's open. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> the door. I'm. I'm like. I'm like the APA. My door is always open, <laughs> even if it's just a door stood up in the middle of the hallway somewhere. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. So thank you once again, and thank you to everyone listening. And I will catch you guys next time. Bye.